0: Stronger Together is obviously our theme for the year. Our banner shows that. We've discussed that. And as we shift gears a little bit from um, the masked sinner, the two weeks that we had talking about some of the sins that we, we uh, maybe hide behind or some of the things that um, we have in our lives that maybe we don't want to unveil, um, I do want to take a couple weeks and talk about a little bit of some of the discussion in our Grace Marriage follow-up. Before we get started, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as the song we just sang um, said, you are the well in which I'm drawing from. And God, I pray that your spirit is that well this morning. I pray that my words are your words, that my intentions are from your word, and your, um, they are your intentions. And um, with all the, the excitement, passion, and fear that I have about the topics that we face at times, Lord, I pray that your voice is what is heard. I pray that those of us who are listening here in this building, online or that may run into this message in their walk, in their journey, Lord, that is one that's encouraging and that gives him hope of a greater kingdom, a greater purpose, a greater God than the things of this world. In your son's name we pray, amen. Um, Our main point this morning is that nothing is great by accident. It's a John Maxwell quote. It'll show up um, in one of our slides. Nothing is great by accident. It was referenced in our grace marriage um, over the weekend when we talk about complacency in our marriages. And I want to draw um, a connection to complacency in our church, in our walk. Now, I need your help this morning. Um, I'm a big football fan. I'm a big sports fan, so it's not just limited to football. Um, Thursday night, I was watching the Raiders game, not a Raiders fan, but John Gruden is their coach, and they did a hard knock series on HBO, which I have not seen, but they showed a clip. And in his um, preseason work with his team, He would make a comment that he knew they needed to pay attention to. If they were really going to catch what was trying to happen. And he would say, knock on wood if you're with me. So Patrick, you knocked on wood, right? So um, what I'm going to do this morning is I want you to knock on wood if you're with me. You can knock on the pew, okay? If you're not comfortable with knocking on the pew, you can just say amen, right? I mean, biblically, we can just say amen. But if I say, are you with me? I want some indication that you're paying attention because this is too important to miss this morning. And not because I'm saying it. Um, I'm not my biggest fan. Some of you are bigger fans than me than than myself, and that's great. Please be fans of the message of Jesus Christ this morning, of what God is trying to do with this church, and knock on wood if you're with me. All right. so, um, if you have a chance, grab a small group guide. It'll be in the back. It'll be available this week for you to kind of go deeper in some of this. There are many scriptures listed on the sides that I will not have time to cover that have been in my thoughts and prayers as I've been developing this. The unity of the church is the greatest advertisement there is for God's power and grace. We reference that in our call to worship. And if we're going to be stronger together, we must aspire to be unified. We must do more than just sitting together. We must be living together. We must be serving together. We must be the church. We must connect and grow and serve in a way that is honoring God with our being. I believe that you're here and you're committed to that. In Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 through 3 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction, the evidence, ESV, conviction, of things not seen. For by faith the, of old, those, uh, the faith of old have received their, con, their commendation or their praise or reward or their award. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what, what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Faith is a big deal, and to believe that you're here this morning and convicted to be here this morning for a reason greater than you, you got a good speaker, a good song leader, or um, your Bible class is your favorite thing in the world. Surely you're here for something greater than that. I think your conviction shows that you're here for yes, that great reward, but how to live out that reward in your life? If you're with me, knock on wood. All right. So this morning, as um as we get going, I want us to. to to remind you that our Grace Marriage program is one that is not only um, effective and useful, but it's fun. And If you haven't had a chance to get involved, if you want more information, it's not just for married people. We have an opportunity for plenty of involvement for singles, for, for widows, for widowers, for those that, we, um, that want to be involved in this kind of work in our, in our church. Um, one of the, um, the, the key phrases for Grace Marriage is grace plus intentionality equals transformation. And this morning, we need grace. We must be intentional if we expect to be transformed. Not just our marriages, but in our lives. Um, um, Jason, sorry. Jason said, love your spouse like someone is trying to, um, to steal them away from you, to take them away from you. This morning, I want you to love your church. I want you to love the people sitting beside you. I want you to love your community like Satan is actively trying to devour it. Like Satan is actually trying to take it away from you. If we make a parallel between what we love in our, in our spouse and within our homes and we, we expound that out to our faith and our community and our church, we should be excited about what God can do through faith. Through the things that are unseen. The things that we cannot even expect. But it takes trust in that. If you trust the Lord, let me know you're with me this morning. Thank you. So this morning, I want us to imagine what satan is trying to do in your life to steal your church from you what he's trying to do in your life to rob you of the joy of your children what he's trying to take from you when you go to work or school or when you're in a community that distracts you from the kingdom of heaven grace marriage is a great reminder of that and complacency creates vulnerability and we cannot afford to be vulnerable our lord our god defends us and to trust and believe in that requires active faith complacency can create vulnerability in our faith. Nothing is great by accident, says John Maxwell. And this morning, I want us to be very intentional about what we're here for. We're here to get moving. We're here to be active. We're here to continue that activity. And um, we're here to be convicted in those actions. So that we do not grow stale. That we do not grow comfortable. 1 Peter, five, verse, uh, First Peter chapter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be alert and of sober mind. The enemy... The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is going through the same kind of sufferings. Now, if you go into Hebrews Hebrews at the end of chapter 11, um, you, you, you hear about some of that suffering, people being sawed in half and beheaded, and some of the, the atrocities that Christians face. And we may not see those firsthand in our lives, but those things are happening in our world. Our media may not portray those things as popular things for you to see, but be aware those things are happening in our world. But your struggles are real real too. Struggles of addiction, the struggles of loneliness and depression, the struggles of just being, having a lack of focus in your faith. The struggle of being lazy and allowing someone else to do the work for you. Those struggles create suffering within your life, Physically and within you, in, internally, emotionally. Whenever you're not living up to what you know you can do, it bothers you. And I would challenge you, if it, doesn't, if it no longer bothers you to, um, to live or to work at a subpar level, I would be afraid. You should be concerned. If your health is just, well, that just comes with age, and maybe I shouldn't try as hard to be healthy. Maybe I shouldn't try as hard to be um, of a greater understanding of the Word. Maybe I shouldn't try as hard to be on time or attend activities because with age, things get a little more difficult. I would, I would ask you this morning that that is a deception that Satan is trying to give you. And an, 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 a sober-minded person would say, we must be alert to those things. We must not get complacent. First Peter is a great reminder of that we also have to understand that Satan is active. It's obvious that he's prowling around looking for someone to devour, someone to seek and destroy, someone to kill. And if Satan is alive and well, I believe God is alive and well, and there are certain things God loves that Satan detests. And there are certain things that God hates that Satan loves. We have to protect ourselves from the deception From deception, we must intentionally keep our relationships healthy and strong. Not just with our spouse, with our children. We must have a healthy dialogue between our kids on what's going on in their worlds. And not just assume that you understand because you were once a child. The the, the culture and the world around them is different. The struggles are different. The sin is the same, but the way in which we deal with it is different. So parents, parents if you're with me, knock on wood. Parents, I need you to know, your kids, yes, are going to face some of the same trials and struggles you have, but it is different. And you need to walk through them, walk through it with them like you haven't gone through it before. Hear from them first and give them your wisdom second. Intentionally keep our relationships healthy and strong. It's important that we're appropriate with our relationships and how we deal with other people in our lives. Because yes, Satan is trying to distract you from the people that love you the most, Satan is trying to give you a reason to feel like someone at work loves you more than your husband or your wife at home. And Satan's trying to use that as a distraction for you to end up divorcing or leaving your spouse. That's unacceptable to God. It doesn't start with just, hey, you know what? I think you might be uh, my next future wife. You should divorce your husband. It's not as bold as that. It's subtle. And Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion. The lion doesn't just doesn't just roar initially the lion prowls first the lion ducks and waits the lion hides in the bush and gets close enough and then the roar does what it shocks the victim so they're in they're immobile and then he attacks if you roar first the victim flees satan is sneaking up on you and when you hear the roar it's too late church it's too late You have to see the symptoms. You have to be aware of the things going on around you. And not just you in your life, but you have to have the courage to point those out in the lives of others that you love. That is a tough decision to make. Parents, if you have issues within your kids, within your friend groups, talk to the parents around you and address those in healthy ways with your kids. Because if we choose not to do that, we create barriers and fractures within trust within healthy Christian relationships. We model something within our kids that allows them to avoid talking about the truth in scenarios. And then as adults, we hide from truth because it's too inconvenient to deal with in an appropriate way. The Bible says that we go to one another and talk about the struggles that we have. And we try to settle those between each other, face to face. And if we can't settle those disagreements, then we bring in wiser people than ourselves to assist us in that. And our church leaders are those wise people. It's very interesting. My my family has a farm in in Palmyra, a 120 acre farm. And as we're um, going through a living will for my pa- living will for my parents, um, they they talked about the 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 importance of that farm and staying in the family. And so they created a, um, a a document that would allow that farm to continue to be a farm and not be sold unless all three brothers I have two older older brothers would agree upon the nature of the selling of that farm. If we could not come to an agreement together. That document states that we'll go to the elders of the Henderson Church of Christ and work out our disagreement. That's a bold statement. It may not hold up in the court of law, but it is a great reminder of the biblical nature of disagreements. It's important for us to, um, to be aware of those. Why? Because there are things that the Lord hates. Proverbs six sixteen through 19 says there's six things the Lord hates and seven that are detestable to him. <clears throat> Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. It is important that we understand that the Lord God does not like arrogant people. Philippians 2, verses 1-4 through says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement being filled with being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness, compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one Spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. If you're with me this morning, knock on wood. Value others greater than yourself, because the world tells us that being vulnerable is being weak. But God's logic says vulnerability equals humility and humility equals strength. And the strength of God through a humble Jesus Christ saves our souls. So this morning, if you don't want to, if you want to, um, to be able to live and thrive in that grace and that plan and that power of God and the Holy Spirit, you need to avoid the things that He does not like. And arrogance is one of those things. Lying, speaking falsehood, knowingly and willingly, choosing to tell false truths or things that aren't true to other people. Proverbs 12:22 says, "The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in people who are trustworthy." Proverbs 13:5: "The righteous hate what is false, but the wicked make themselves a stench and bring shame on themselves. You see the connection there? The Lord detests lying lips, and then one chapter later, the righteous hate what is false." We begin to hate what the Lord hates because we love the Lord. Colossians 3 and verse 9, Do not lie to each other since you have taken your old, off your old self and its practices. If you're in a family of believers in a church this morning and you've taken off the old self and chosen to live a new life, a life that takes grace plus intentionality and, and creates transformation, you must transform yourself from what is old to what is new you speak truth, and you trust that those around you are being truthful with their words. It's hard at times to trust people, even people that you love. Have, have you ever been involved in a situation where someone has broken your trust? Knock on wood. You hear that? We're a broken congregation. We're people that have been wronged by people that are supposed to love us. How do we respond to that? With humility, with vulnerability, and without complacency. Obviously, God hates murderers and those who shed innocent blood. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22 and 22, he says, But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother, you've heard, do not murder. The Bible is full of that law, but anyone who's angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. It's not the action itself, but the heart behind the action, church. So this morning, yes, I don't believe that um, we struggle with murdering um, other people here in this church but we may hold resentment and anger in our hearts. Be careful, church. Be careful of wicked schemes. Exodus um, 20, verse 16, you shall not bear false witness, one of the Ten Commandments. But Exodus 23, 1 and 2 says, you shall not follow the masses in doing evil, nor testify in a dispute to to, to turn aside after a multitude in order to pervert justice. It's one thing, to to lie and bear false witness by yourself. It's a whole different story to go along with the crowd silently because we don't have the courage to stand up for what is true. It's still the same thing, bearing false witness. It's still pretending that something is true when it's not. So in the company that you keep, adults, make sure that you're Christ-like. When you're at church and when you're away from church, when you're at home and when you're away from home, when you're with your spouse, and when you're away from your spouse. I heard a great analogy or a great example once. Um, um, A marriage coach said, you know, when I get into an elevator and, and and a lady walks in and she says, wow, I really like your cologne. He says, yep, my wife gave it to me on Valentine's Day. Right? She's not in the elevator with me, but I'm bringing her in there because I want to safeguard my marriage from the things of the world. Knock if you're with me. If you want to safeguard your life from your friend groups that are That are are not Christ-like. Knock if you're with me. If you want your schools and your community to be a better place. Focused on Christ and what he loves. Knock if you're with me. There are schemes of the devil going on around us. And they're subtle. And the masses will follow those subtle schemes. Foolheartedly. Don't be like the masses. Don't be sheeple, I guess. Sheep people who just follow what the world says don't rush to evil Matthew 5 38 through 42 talks about you've heard eye for an eye or two for a tooth going the extra mile walking in someone's shoes if anyone forces to go up, one mile go to or give to them who asks of you do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you go beyond what is expected to allow time and circumstances To to give you clarity on what is true and not evil. See, Satan will come quickly. And when his roar happens, it happens so quickly, you don't even know how to respond because you're in shock. And so at times, Satan's response is so quick and so loud that you're just in shock and you say yes to whatever it is. Sometimes in our marriages or in our relationships, we agree to something that maybe we're not totally comfortable with because we don't know what the time frame is Or what the rules are for disagreements. Our Grace Marriage um, class has been great for that. And allow spouses to sort of talk about um, how much time each would need to be able to settle a disagreement. The Bible talks about not allowing the sun to set. And maybe you don't come to a conclusion. But don't let the sun set before you set up the structure for that conclusion. Church, if you have a disagreement between you, don't rush to settle it just to make somebody happy. Make sure you're giving God the time and attention in that Situation to make him happy, and don't rush to do something evil because you're hurt. Don't bear false witness. Don't lie about things. Don't create dissension or conflict. Matthew twenty-five, Matthew five twenty-three through twenty-six. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and reconcile to them. Then come and offer your gift. I believe you're here this morning convicted to offer a gift to God. In your worship, in your time, through your life. What I'm asking you is the conviction to not be complacent in that process. I'm asking you, if you have an offering this morning, you may need to pause before you give and make right some of the things that are going on in your life. Our invitation is a great opportunity for that where we have an opportunity to come forward and to talk about the things in which you're struggling with that you need help with that you no longer want to be complacent with you want to attack and you want to do something different in your life. And the invitation then allows you to be a new person and begin a transformation in your life to operate under different circumstances. If you're one who already has taken that step but still struggles with making the right choices You are not alone. Fight the struggle to be complacent in making the right choices. I hear knocking and I'm not even asking for it. Do not create dissension or conflict, especially if it's to prove your point above God's points. That's a struggle we will all face at some point. Where we want to be heard and we want to be heard because we think we're right. Give the time and attention it takes to the process to find the truth of the matter. Protect, or Satan loves what God hates. We've already established that. And if Satan, um, if God hates those things, those those who shed uh, blood of of innocent um, lives, those who are arrogant in their speech, if he hates those who bear false witness and those who lie, Satan loves those things. Satan thrives in those circumstances. We need to avoid those things in which God hates because Satan is found there. In Psalm 107, 8, 9, let's give thanks to the Lord and His unfailing love for His wonderful deeds for mankind. For He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. We need to find our satisfaction this morning in the delight, love, and grace of God and not turn to the world for that satisfaction. Let God's Delight, love, and grace. The things that you receive from God that fill you with joy. That aspire you to love. That fill the hole in your life that is vacant. Because you need the grace and mercy of God. Allow those things to define what satisfies you. The the world is out there trying to show you that there's things to be joyful or to delight in. There are things to love and there are things that will fill you. That are not full of grace. Our grace marriage says another man or another woman. May show you love or delight. Maybe even grace. But it's not God's delight, love and grace. Alcohol can fill temporarily a void or a struggle that you have in your life. Drug addiction can do the same. But it does not delight, love or show you grace. Sinful relationships. Dirty jokes. Pornography television shows that are inappropriate, YouTube channels that you should not be paying attention to, and activities that waste your time, all those things seem delightful and full of love and grace, but they're not of God. And Satan hides in those things. Where are you receiving your satisfaction this morning? Three keys to avoiding complacency this morning as we move. Protect your relationships by being intentional. Be intentional. Be intentional to show love preemptively, proactively. So that love leads in your relationships. And if love is not found in your relationships, find ways to talk to those people to restore love and trust. If love and trust cannot be restored through a basic conversation between two adults, bring in wiser people to help you through that struggle. It's biblical. Protect your relationships by being intentional. Avoid the things that God hates. Avoid the things that God hates. Why? Because Satan is found in those things. And be satisfied in God's love, in His grace. Delight in that. Because it is much more fulfilling than anything the world is going to offer. Our 621 challenge comes from Matthew 6 and verse 21. From where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In every grace marriage session, we have a, we have a page in which we talk about the 621 challenge. And we challenge our spouses, husband and wife, to, t- to talk about where their priorities are and how those priorities can, can um, be, be directed back to the marriage to, um, to, to challenge them to not be complacent in their walk with Christ. So, church, this morning, where is your treasure? In our, in our scripture reading this morning, we read from um, Genesis 25. In the story, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of liberty in it. And I know there's some, some really good um, interpretations that you've read or thought about, but I want you to think about it from this perspective. Jacob and Esau um, wrestled together in the womb, and then there is a, um, there's a reward for uh, Esau the oldest. And he forsakes that reward for something very temporary. And in a way, when you read it, you're a little disgusted. You're like, how could you be so so short-sighted that you lose your inheritance for a bowl of soup? I want you to also look at this a little deeper this morning. These two wrestled within the womb, and you have within you two forces wrestling. You have... Satan trying to wrestle. The world trying to pull you in one direction. And God, the Holy Spirit, trying to move you in the opposite place. There are two sides of each of us at work. And we must respond without complacency toward the direction of God. Because Satan will distract us. So as you see the wrestling in this verse, and you see it play out... Realize Esau was a skillful hunter. He was one that was very skilled, very blessed, and a man of the open country. I want you to hear something this morning. Our God is a God of the open country. Our God is a God of the limitless. Our God is a God of making visible things that are invisible. And it takes faith to believe in that type of God. We must be a church of the open country not wrestling with what's happened in the past or what happens in the present, but being mindful of a future that God gives you as a reward because it is limitless. Because you should not trade it for a bowl of soup, a comfortable pew, a job promotion, a new house or car, a certain friend group, a championship trophy, a girlfriend or boyfriend, or FaceTime or time with with YouTube or whatever you want to do in your life. Do not forsake the reward that God is waiting to bless you with because you see things of the world as temporarily fulfilling. Esau thought he was going to die if he didn't have that bowl of soup. And he got what he wanted, but part of him died. The limitless God requires limitless faith. Church, this morning, do not become complacent in your walk with God because that walk has limitless rewards be careful what you hunger and thirst for matthew 5 and verse 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled don't be filled with the world's bowl of soup church because it is temporary and it does not taste as good as it looks